Welcome to the Dildork Storky Discourse on Sex, Dating, and Masturbating. My name is Kate Sloan. I'm a sex journalist, a sex blogger, and I'm married to an app developer. And in fact, they are here with me today. Uh, my guest host on this episode of the Dildorks is my spouse, Matthew Bischoff, aka MB, who has been involved in app development professionally and personally for many years and is one of the smartest people I know about technology. Hello. Hi. How are you? I'm great. It's good to be here. Yeah. I uh, As soon as Bex told me that he was needing to take some time off to travel and we started thinking about what to do. Uh, for the show in that time period, I was like, I really want to have Matt on because a lot of people have questions about sex tech and me and Bex just don't have the knowledge base required. Like, I feel like every time we get a question about it, I end up just like paraphrasing something that you told me. <laughs> Probably not yeah. very well. So yeah, excited to chat. Um, one of the first questions I have is like, this comes up a lot, uh, is about apps sex apps on on the app store because a lot of times when I'm talking to kinksters or whoever, they'll be like, I don't know why FetLife doesn't have an app. Like it's so silly that they don't have an app. They would have so many more users if they did. Uh, Or people will say that about Pornhub as well and various other things. So why is it that there, (laughs) there are not a lot of sex apps? Yeah. So um, as you said, like I do app development professionally and have done it for a long time. And most of the app development that I've done has been on iOS. So on iPhones and iPads and Macs and and similar uh, Apple technologies. And um, Apple is sort of the problem here. They (laughs) they maintain very strict, although uh, inconsistently enforced guidelines for their app stores. And since on iOS, the only way to get apps uh, onto consumer phones is through the app store, um, those guidelines are are the reason, and I, I actually have the guideline, the specific guideline here. We can we can debate it a little bit if you want. We can <laughs> dig into the actual language. So what they say this is one point one point four for anyone at home, um, <laughs> and what they say is overtly sexual or pornographic material defined as quote explicit descriptions or displays of sexual organs or activities intended to stimulate erotic rather than aesthetic or emotional feelings. This includes hookup apps. That may include pornography or be used to facilitate prostitution. So that's the type of app that you're not allowed to um, make on the App Store according to Apple. Now, of course, there are clear exceptions being made to this rule. Uh, Reddit and Twitter, for instance, both have apps on the App Store and both have plenty of uh, pornographic material. Mm -hmm. But Apple gets to pick and choose and that there's no regulatory body that can really stop them um, at this point. So is that why, like, what's the deal with apps like Grindr that like are explicitly hookup apps? And I think that people can do sex work through them. I mean, I think that that's probably against the TOS of Grindr, but like, uh, are hookup apps cool on the app store? They are as long as they don't include pornography, right? So you're allowed to make a dating app and there are many kinky dating apps on the store, none of which have gained that much traction. I think um, you've recently written about like some of the different dating app options and some are more focused on on kinky dating. Um, mm-hmm. Like Field comes to mind, but there's a, there's a bunch that are even more explicitly kinky than that. Yeah. And those are fine, but as soon as you start getting into the porn and sex work angle of things, it, it gets really, really dicey and you can get rejected uh, for that. 
Yeah. And how does this relate to, I don't know how much you want to get into this, but I know that you used to work at Tumblr and Tumblr has had some issues uh, both with the app store and with porn. And now of course does not allow porn at all. So like how, how did that work with Tumblr? Why, why did it go differently with Tumblr than it has with Twitter and Reddit? Um, yeah. So when I was at Tumblr and I was working on the Tumblr iOS app, that was back in the days when there was plenty of porn on Tumblr, but it was hidden behind a, uh, safe search style interface. And for a long time, a lot of apps got away with that. They got away with having a button in the app that said like, okay, no, I'm, I'm over 18. You can show me this stuff. And that's sort mm. of how Twitter and Reddit work today. You have to set a setting on the website. You can't even set it in the app that mm. says I'm okay with uh, explicit material. And then Apple sort of looks the other way, even though it's still technically against the guidelines. Mm -hmm. uh, and Tumblr operated in that uh, sort of gray area for a long time um, and eventually decided uh, for other reasons, although some of those reasons may have been related to app review that they just wanted to get out of that business entirely. Um, but while I was there and before they made that decision, um, we had frequent rejections, uh, from Apple because they would do things that an individual app reviewer, someone who's tasked with reviewing an app, um, before it goes on the store, they, they can make whatever decisions they want. So they, they would go into the app and they would search for things that would get past the safe search thing. They would misspell words on purpose, like erotica. They would misspell it erotica with a Y and a <laughs> K and an A. And, uh, mm -hmm. and, and our uh, filtering algorithms wouldn't, wouldn't necessarily work against that. They'd find porn. They'd screenshot it. They screenshot really, really explicit porn. And then uh, send it, kick the app back to us and say, no, you, you know, you're violating the guidelines. Your safe search doesn't work. <laughs> Interesting. And now there's like this terrible trend that's been continuing for many years and just seems to get worse and worse of like social media sites and apps um, being really anti-sex and like banning people who are even like doing basic sex education work, which is why we're seeing a lot of sex educators now who like are spelling sex like S-E-G-G-S and stuff like that. Yeah, which is terrible for accessibility, terrible for searchability. I totally understand why people do it. They're, you know, they're, they're fearing for their livelihoods and their platforms. Um, but yeah, uh, kink talk, which is a, which is the sort of kinky side of TikTok, uh, respells and misspells almost everything. I'm seeing it on Instagram now. I mean, I know you've, you've started doing it as well. And I, I get it, but I, it, it breaks my heart for uh, the internet that that none of that information is going to be findable. Yeah, what do you think? What do you think are the odds that <laughs> that it'll ever get better? Because right now it just seems like, even though in many ways culturally we're moving forward in terms of sex positivity and like people are more open talking about kink than they were like pre Fifty Shades and stuff like that, but like on the internet the censorship continues to be such an issue and like. Do you see that ever moving in a more positive direction? I'm an optimist, um, and so I hope so, but I, I'm not seeing a lot of evidence that uh, my optimism is, is well-placed in this area. While, mm -hmm. yes, culturally, some some parts of the culture uh, are are moving toward that, I think that the on the internet, it's only gone the other direction. There have been, Twitter has flirted with banning um sexual content many times they've never done it but they've definitely thought about it and there's been internal discussions about it uh tumblr of course did instagram never really allowed it but they've cracked down even more than they than they uh have in the past and so i think the only way that we get there is um 
by forcing these companies, especially Apple, uh, to do it via regulation. And one of the primary ways that I'm seeing um, a, a path forward for that is through forcing Apple to allow sideloading, which is allowed on Android. Do you know what sideloading is? Is that where you can download an app that isn't strictly uh, approved through the App Store? Yeah, exactly. It's exactly how you can download apps on your computer that aren't through the App Store. Um, many people have been arguing for many reasons, including uh, this reason, but also anti-competitive reasons that, um, or pro-competition reasons, really, that you should be able to download apps that are not reviewed by Apple if you make that choice. Basically, you have to opt into it. You have to say, I know that I'm waiving some of my potential security or, or you know, the the safe walled garden of the app store. But if I'm an educated consumer and I want to make that choice, I should be, I should be able to make that choice. I should not be locked into just um, the apps that Apple finds morally pure. Mm. Yeah. And I know that you have a, a unique perspective on this or an unusual perspective on this, particularly because of being a hypno kinkster, because hypno kink is like one of the most like censored kinks. It's really wild that like so many people and so many websites, including at one point FetLife, see hypnosis as non-consensual inherently and as a form of mind control. And to me, it's so ironic because like trying to control what people are able to access um, in terms of consensual sexy media on your website, I think is mind control, arguably. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, 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 uh, yeah, it, it really bums me out. And like to have your primary kink, uh, whether it's hypno kink or something else, there's a lot of kinks that fall into this. Be one of the, one of the ones that um, payment companies like Visa and MasterCard uh, have decided is too high risk for them to process payments about, then as you say, sort of waterfalls down all the way through the ecosystem. So MasterCard says, you know, we don't want anybody putting HypnoKink on their credit cards. That means that OnlyFans has to ban it. And that means that um, uh, Patreon has to ban it because they they have to use these big, they have to support these big credit cards and, and, right. and they're basically held hostage um, there. Mm-hmm. And uh, all these, all these things go underground. People can't make money from it. People can't connect with people who share their kink or fetish. And then, you know, there's just negative impacts all the way, all the way across the board. Yeah. It's not great. (laughs) Not loving it. No. Um, you mentioned cybersecurity a moment ago and, um, it brought to mind, uh, like Bluetooth, uh, controlled sex toys, which like cybersecurity has been a big issue on those. But before we get into that discussion, I wanted to ask now that I think about it, why is it that apps like the Lovens app that controls Lovens vibrators or the WeVibe app that controls WeVibe vibrators, like why are those able to be on the app store? Is it just because they don't have explicitly pornographic imagery? Yeah, exactly. And uh, exactly that. And imagery is one of the key words, even though it's not specifically, they, they do say display of sexual organs or activities, but they don't say imagery. But mm-hmm. the, the ones that, that bother me even more, and I have gotten into some spats on Twitter about this, are the audio erotica apps. There are so mm-hmm. many paid subscription audio erotica apps that are using in-app purchase that are marketing, you know, through the app store. Um, and those are fine. You know, you can make as much audio porn on the app store as you want. Clearly Apple is completely fine with that. But as soon as there's, uh, as soon as there's an image, that's where they draw the line. And it, it's an absurd, it's an absurd place to draw that line. Um, and to your point, the, the apps that control sex toys, they're just as sexual. They're just as erotic as, as, uh, as some gifs on Tumblr, uh, mm-hmm. back in the, back in the day. But, um, that's just an arbitrary decision that, uh, the largest company in the world happened to make. 
Yeah, it's really weird. It seems to be a distinction that a lot of places online draw between visuals and non-visuals. And like, I've seen it discussed in like child porn discussions and, and to that end, like it makes sense to me because it's like if, if there's visuals of real children, then real children are being abused. Um, whereas something like like an audio medium like could be faked or whatever. But like, I yeah, I don't think that in, inherently visuals are more explicit or more sexual than audio or even text. Like it really depends on what you find sexual. And exactly. Yeah, it's just really an interesting distinction. Um, and it's, there's sort of some in- inherent ableism there as well. Like, yes. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Um, so talking about Bluetooth sex toys and sex toys that can be controlled over the internet. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a fan. Yeah. We use them a lot. We do. We really like them. Our favorite ones are by Levens, by the way, if you're wondering. Um, but Not sponsored. No, not. They, they, I can even barely get them to reply to my emails. But uh, <laughs> They um, they make the best ones. But so this has been a subject of some concern over the past few years is cybersecurity when it comes to these toys. There was a few uh, major stories that I can think of where this sort of came to the, the public's attention. And one of them was what happened with WeVibe, which if I'm not mistaken, it was basically discovered that like you could get access to data somehow through somebody's WeVibe um, and that basically they didn't have enough security the so there was yeah what you're talking about is there was a 3.75 million dollar class action lawsuit against wow tech which is the owners of WeVibe in 2016 um and the basic thing that they did wrong was they required people to register with their name email phone number that type of personal identifiable information Mm -hmm. and they didn't properly disclose in their privacy policy what they were doing with that information, how they were storing it, things like that. And Mm so um, it it wasn't so much that they got hacked or that that data was improperly accessed. It's just that that, that there was, they were not being upfront about what they were doing with it. And that's illegal. Mm. But were they doing anything bad with it as far as we know? No, Uh, no, they weren't. They were, you know, they may not have had the best uh, product design up front. They may not have had the, the world's tightest security in the world, but there was no no breach that uh, that I'm aware of. Hmm. Yeah, because they got a lot of flack for that. I know that it was like a total PR disaster for them. Yes. Uh, I believe that they overhauled the way that they were doing stuff. They did. Uh, yeah, you can you can um, get the WeVive app now. You don't have to sign up at all. You can connect to someone's toy without ever having any having to enter any personal identifiable information and even the anonymous data that WeVibe collects now stuff like, you know, did the app crash so they can make the app better really important data to collect is all totally opt in. Mm. So if you don't specifically say, yes, I'm okay with you collecting this anonymous data, they don't collect anything. Hmm. Okay, good. I mean, it was, it was hard to watch that story unfolding because I always have loved WeVibe and like, I feel to some extent, like personally, invested in them like they're a canadian brand they're one of, they're probably the most successful canadian sex toy brand ever um and i think that they make really good stuff and that they try really hard so it was like sad to watch people you know being so angry about it but it's totally understandable at the same time yeah if you're if you're interested in this topic um as i am like there's a lot that uh, security researchers have done on this front, and I, I really point people to the um, Mozilla articles. Mozilla did a Valentine's Day special 
uh, deep dive where they researched the privacy policies of many sex and dating apps um, a, a few years ago, and they broke down what permissions do the apps request. They read the privacy policies and they and they sort of reformatted them into really easy to read um, sound bites. And I think uh, that type of research, these types of lawsuits have also led to companies like WeVibe and LoveEnds rewriting their own privacy policies to be easier to read. So if you're concerned about the, the privacy aspects, not the security aspects, we can talk about that separately, but the privacy aspects of um, buying a sex toy from one of these brands and using it to connect over the internet, um, I think that there's pretty good information on that. Like the WeVibe, the WeVibe suit is interesting, but LoveEnds faced a very similar suit in 2018. And it was... Um, kind of similarly not a big deal to me they you know they got sued because someone found out that there were sound files that were cached locally in the app and they were like oh the app is secretly recording me mm-hmm. and if you look into the details it's, it's actually a lot less onerous than that they were there's a feature in the app that lets you sync your vibrator to music you can turn it on if you don't turn it on they're not recording anything and then they're of course recording so that they can sync it to music and yes, they shouldn't have saved those files locally to disk, but they weren't sending them anywhere. There was no there were no leaks of that data. It was just right. a it was just a, a bug in the app, essentially. Yeah, I mean, my industry, the media industry, is uh, <laughs> has like really overblown a lot of these stories. Like, yeah, and I understand why. Like, we live in a time when to get money as a media company, you need to get a lot of clicks. But like, in my view, responsible journalism involves contextualizing and explaining, like what is the actual thing that's happening here and how dangerous is it actually and how does it actually literally impact you versus like how could it theoretically impact somebody? So, yeah. But then an even more kind of splashy media story was the thing that happened with Cellmate, which is a company that was making remotely controllable chastity cages. And like I was also really interested in this story because I had actually met with uh, a rep at Cellmate, like Bex and I went to ANME in January 2020, right before the pandemic started, um, which is the Adult Novelty Makers Expo. And we were talking to a lot of different sex toy company reps, and we spoke to the person at Cellmate who was like really excited um, in a really convincing way. Like I was actually like won over about like the potential benefits of the product because it's it's a cool idea. It's really cool. So it's basically like a chastity cage that can be like locked and unlocked remotely, which is great if you're in a long distance relationship or if your uh, your key holder is a pro dom or if you're like a pro dom who has multiple different chastity clients and you need to be able to like manage their cages remotely. Yep. Yep. There's like a lot of different use cases for this. But um do you want to tell folks what ended up happening with Cellmate? Because it's a harrowing story. Yeah, so this is more on the security side, less on the privacy side. So uh, security researchers and probably um, uh, hackers bef- before them discovered a vulnerability in the Cellmate API, which is the application program interface used to for that the app uses to communicate um with the servers that control the cage. So that there's a connection between those three things, the server, which has your account information and your like lock time, the app and the, the cage itself. And um, that vulnerability allowed all kinds of really bad exploits where you could 
um, lock someone in their chastity cage for an indefinite amount of time and they'd have to break it off themselves, which is not easy to do with these types of devices. It's pretty dangerous. You need like, specialized tools. The The headlines were like, hackers are holding people's dicks hostage. Yeah, there's not a ton of evidence that that really happened to very many people, <laughs> if anyone at all, but it was certainly possible. Yeah. It, which sounds hot as a fantasy, but not in reality. Like, yikes. Extremely yikes. Yeah, exactly. So this is more on the security side. And if like listeners are like thinking about, you know, do I feel comfortable using a Bluetooth sex toy or a sex toy that connects to the internet? Um, I would think about what security researchers call the threat model, which is like if you're putting a vibrator against your body or inside your body or whatever, and someone hacks it, which could always happen, no matter how secure something is, there's always a, a, a an attacker that could figure out a way to hack it. Um, What's the worst that could happen? They could maybe turn the vibrator up really high and make you uncomfortable for a few seconds before you pull it out of your body or um, something or, like that. Or on the psychological side, I mean, you you know, maybe yes. feel violated or, right. or whatever. Yeah. And, if the, and if that is so concerning that you don't want to use the toy, that's you've now figured out like what, you know, uh, what your tolerance is. But also part of threat modeling is figuring out, well, who would have the incentive to do that? Would they target me specifically? What is the likelihood of this? Right. And, and all those things are, are pretty low on the, I'm going to lock a thing onto a, one of the most intimate parts of my body. Um, and if, if it gets hacked, I'm going to have to go to the emergency room. That's a lot higher of a risk yeah. taking. And so when you're thinking about these things, it is always like risk reward. Like how much fun are you going to have? How likely is the is the threat, and would someone really target me? But uh, app controlled chastity cages is, is uh, uh, much riskier than than something like the the uh, love toys we were talking about. Yeah, and it like it made me so sad because like being sort of involved in the chastity community to some extent, like I'm aware that there are so many people, particularly who want to be at chastity bottoms, who like really want that, like it's a really key fantasy for them and they've really struggled to find people in real life to do it with, yes. whether it be because like just nobody wants to or like they are too, you know, nervous to bring it up. Yep, yep. And so really that's part of why this invention made so much sense. Like there are other kinks that even if you could do them online, there might not be as much demand for it because it might be easier to find people to do them with in person. Whereas chastity, I think that it is really hard for people to find folks to do it with. So like, it was really nice that this was an option. And so it's like really sad that like, you know, their trust was broken in this way. And I understand, of course, the company wasn't trying to do that. But yeah, it just sucks. It just sucks. No, they weren't trying to do that. But looking into the technical details, they were uh, negligent, certainly. Like mm -hmm. they, unlike companies that we've discussed, like WeVibe or LoveEnds, where there were either imprecisely written privacy policies or minor bugs, the security design of the cellmate was not considered. Uh, and it was, the API was slapped together. It was, it was, um, it was clearly negligence. Hmm. Do you know what's going on with Cellmate now? Did they try to fix what's going on or are they basically they, done? They did. They they issued an update. They they said that they've that they've fixed it. I I personally wouldn't trust that brand. Uh, I think it's QIUI is the is the is the parent company. Mm -hmm. They've also said they're going to roll out, I don't know if this is rolled out yet, but they've also said they're going to roll out a version of it that can 
uh, do electro shocks. Oh God! To you. And that's again, that seems like, even if you've worse. Had this issue, I don't, I don't, I don't know why you would trust uh, someone to to do that. Oh my God! Yikes! But oh. they also do now make. I'm looking at it now. They also do now make a a lockbox uh, called the Keypod, which has the same technology where you just put a key in it and it and it locks digitally, oh. and that seems much better. That's smarter. Yeah. Interesting. Huh. Yeah, the Little Devil Shock Collar. This is it. They have a they have a remote controlled, internet <laughs> no. controllable shock collar. I don't think that's a good idea. Friends. I don't know about it, friends. Um, so one of the questions I had is like, who do you think is doing the best or most interesting sex tech today? And I know that you mentioned Love Ends, and I do want to say again, I I think that their toys are so great. I think that like they succeed on pretty much every level for me like not only is the technology good in terms of connectivity to the app and over the internet but also like the vibrators and and the other like functionality of the toys is really fucking good like it actually feels good it actually yeah. is like rumbly or it does interesting things like i think that it's really hard to get both of those things right um but who else besides Slovens do you think is doing good stuff in the sex tech space? I've seen a lot of buzz about um, Kiru, K-I-I-R-O. Yeah, we don't like them, but that's for like a very old reason. There was like <laughs> sure. there was like a blogger uh, kerfuffle that occurred several years ago where people were calling them out. And I honestly at this moment cannot remember precisely why, but I think yeah. it had to do with one of their co-owners was like doing or saying something objectionable. I don't know. Yeah, um, they they have very a very similar product line to Lovin's. Like they have the same sort of focus on teledildonics, and you can have a a dildo that works with a stroker, like a vibrator that works with a stroker, and and they connect to each other. But they have a bit more of a focus on um, AR and VR, which if you're interested in that area, it might be worth looking into. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm interested in uh, Lioness, uh, which mm. is a brand that I saw first on TikTok, um, which makes a vibrator that uh for folks with vulvas I, primarily that um tracks your contractions around it allows you to like graph your orgasms and export all the data and learn from and and try to give yourself more pleasure which i think like the data plus sex toy angle is very interesting i yeah i have emailed those people several times to be like i am a sex journalist i want to write about your product please send it to me i want to try it and they just have never gotten back to me yeah i really do want to try it though it's super interesting um there's also a bunch of stuff on the horizon and a bunch of independent makers that i'm excited about like i don't know how far from production it is but the the vdom have you seen this i don't think so what is that it's a genital uh, prosthetic, essentially. It's like a packer that uh, you can press a button on an app and it will become fully erect. Um, oh. So it has very interesting uh, implications for folks who like to strap on or, uh, or you know, folks who want it for gender reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they're still in this sort of fundraising uh, phase, but the demos that they've, that they've posted seem promising. Um, hmm. Also... Uh, Mouse Tech, which is the makers of the Edgematic, which I think we might want to talk about later, but mm-hmm. um, they're just two people and they're doing fascinating stuff, uh, especially for folks who are into um, orgasm control and denial. Hmm. And then, like in the fucking machine space, uh, Love Ends, Highsmith, Highsmith um, Serious Kit, which I've, I've uh, only looked at from afar because they're very expensive, but they're they're uh, they've been working on like vacuum milking machines and sex tech for like 25 years and they've got really really nice stuff (laughs) 
And like in gaming, there's a bunch of queer and trans game makers, um, like our friend Anna Valens and Nick's Gaming and Deviant Tech, and um, doing really interesting like interactive sex games. Um, sometimes they're 3D, sometimes they're written, but like keeping an eye on all of that stuff. Yeah, um, Anna Valens. Uh, I will link to a piece in the show notes that Anna wrote. It was about a VR kink game. Um, I was researching somewhat recently a, a piece on sex games, and I reached out to Anna because she knows her shit about that because she both makes and like writes professionally about yeah. uh, games and especially sexy games. And this was like a VR game where you are like following commands of a VR dom. And yeah, dominatrix simulator. That's by DeviantTech, yeah. Yeah, and she describes like being commanded to kneel and all this stuff and how the game actually put her into subspace. Yeah. Which like I think a lot of people reading that who like are not involved in kink or like haven't done kink might not quite understand like what a big deal that actually is that like yeah. a non-human thing could like put you into subspace. Um, I think that's pretty significant. And yeah, I will link to her review of that because i found it to be a fascinating read yeah like nick's gaming is a very similar studio in uh in that it's like it's just two people it's like two kinksters or, or one or two kinksters and um they're all hypnofocused games and uh sleeping girl has also made now two small hypnofocused mm. uh games one of which you and i both played and i i really enjoyed mm-hmm. um and then there's just like a ton of individual like makers and open source people like um, the folks behind the kink 3d chastity cages are 3d printing in a material that chastity cages have not been printed, printed in before nylon. They've become like one of the most popular cages that I've seen. Um, Kyle Machulius, Machulius, uh, is Q dot the, the founder of butt plug IO. He's a genius. He's been working on this stuff for like 17 years. He's written multiple open source libraries to control sex toys and sync them up with, movies or games or whatever you want. Yeah, tell me more about this because I think like if anybody is listening to this and is interested in diving deeper on the really nerdy side of sex tech, I think buttplug.io is like the one of the major places that I would recommend that you go. But I as a non-techie like don't really even fully understand like what it is. So yeah, can you but, can you but, give like a layman's a layperson's explanation of Sure. This? So like if you imagine all these brands that we've been talking about, like Love Ends and WeVibe and like the Handy and Flashlight, they all make these toys that can be controlled with an app, right? Mm-hmm. But you have to use their app to control their toy, mm-hmm. which really limits what you can do if you want to be more creative, if you want to sync it up to your favorite porn clip yourself, or you want to build a game that integrates with that toy. If you just want to be a creative, like kinky weirdo. <laughs> um, what Kyle has done um is built an open source library called buttplug.io that is also um, a standard that can make all these toys behave similarly. So they can all be controlled with the same set of code, essentially. Um, And then there's been an entire community of people and mostly organized over Discord and GitHub and stuff that have built applications on top of that framework. Mm -hmm. Um, So if you have a favorite game or platform or thing that you want to integrate it into or if you're a cam performer and you want to integrate this toy into your uh cam performing setup like the the software has probably already been built um and just needs to be uh configured and if you do it that way is that more secure 
than trying to use the proprietary apps of the toys? It depends on who you trust. Like with open source, you can look at the code. So if you're if you're a technologist and if you understand the language that you're looking at it in, you can verify all of the security yourself. Mm -hmm. Now, most people won't do that. So do you trust a company that you purchased the toy from more or do you trust um, a community that is committed to these sort of ethics and has code review and, and everything's out in the, in the open. I sort of leave that up to the listener, but um, it's certainly a different security model. Hmm. Interesting. So I know as someone who knows how to code yourself and has done a fair bit of it, I know that you've like thought about using the tools provided by buttplug.io to make things make fun interesting things that like we could use together or that you could use like what what would you like to do with that someday if you ever had the time yeah yeah I, I think one of the reasons why I haven't done it so far is just that like the apps that are being made by these companies are pretty good mm. like the Lovins app is pretty good and there's not a lot of features that the toys can support that I don't already have access to mm -hmm. but I think what um, many people are using the technologies for that the apps that the built-in apps don't support is this sort of like synchronization. So like maybe you want to synchronize it with um, VR porn that you're watching, or maybe you want to synchronize it with um, music that you like or stuff, stuff like that, which I don't really have that much of an interest in sexually, like synchronizing sex toys with media is just not something that appeals to me mm -hmm. um, unless it is going into this like, hypno realm in which case that's that's where i can imagine doing something so like if i wanted to make a uh hypnotic induction that had like my voice and worked with a toy and like followed what i was saying the entire time like that's where i could see it or if i just wanted to make like an interface where i could control something on my watch where maybe there's not a watch app already something like that oh that would be cool yeah being able to control a vibe through the apple watch yeah that'd be really neat yeah, I think that um, when I when people talk about the vibrators that respond in real time to audio, like the ones that are made by Oh My Bot, and mm -hmm, like, I think that mm -hmm. Levens and Wevibe both also have this feature as well. I think like the most often case that I hear people using this in is like if you're going out to the club, if you're going out dancing, and you want to wear this vibe, and it's sort of your sexy secret under your clothes, <laughs> and it's responding to the music. Yeah, like I sort of get that. Um, I can also sort of get like. I know that when I do certain types of drugs that my body responds sexually to music. Mm -hmm. um, like I feel like the music is like in my body. Like sometimes it's like touching me and I could see it being interesting to pair that up with a vibrator that is responding in real time to the music. Um, and then definitely hypno applications, as you said. So yeah, yeah that's interesting. We had a listener question about what is the most powerful internet controllable vibe my, I, my guess is the cowgirl which you've tried does that have it does but it's very <laughs> complex to set up so we didn't set it up when you had it briefly but it does have um it doesn't have an an a mobile app it has a you can connect it to a computer and then you can use the oh, computer yeah. to set things up and like <laughs> I, I, some camp performers uh have done that i believe yeah so the cowgirl is similar to the sibian if anyone has heard of that so it's basically like a rideable vibrator it's huge like you're supposed to sit on top of it and uh i tried it once at the museum of sex for a like press thing and 
Um, I don't think Bex would have a problem with me mentioning that when we went together to the Museum of Sex event to try the cowgirl at the invitation of the Museum of Sex and the Cowgirl Company, um, Bex was like not really wanting to try it because it's fucking called the Cowgirl. And because I directly asked them like, so what's the deal with that? Why are you not trying to be gender inclusive? And they just gave sort of a shitty lip service answer. And, um, you know, so I'm not, I'm not that thrilled with Cowgirl also because they're, they do have an app, but the app doesn't, the app only works within 30 feet of it. So it's also compatible with the Feel Connect 3 app, which is the computer one, which you can do uh, control remotely. Yeah. The other thing that I don't love about Cowgirl is that they're owned by the same company who owns Lil Wand. And Lil Wand, like, just every toy that they make is a copy of someone else's toy. <laughs> like, yeah. they're just constantly ripping off ideas from everybody, from Jimmy Jane, from Crave, from... Uh, enjoy from just just everybody um so i'm not i'm not really a fan but um that is interesting and i do think you're probably right that is the strongest one that that can connect to something digitally it's it's very strong i'll give it that it's not my cup of tea because i don't have the the physical ability to sit on a vibrator in like that kneeling straddling position for long enough for it to like do anything for me really but yeah So what is some sex tech that you wish existed or like what is something that you're looking forward to in the development of sex tech? Yeah, I think um, the biggest thing that I'm anxiously awaiting is the is uh, virtual reality and augmented reality both becoming cheaper and more widely available and distributed. So this could be something like um, the Apple glasses coming out or the the next version of the Oculus from Facebook coming out and actually becoming cheap enough where a lot of people have it. Because once enough people have it, that will incentivize people to make cool, sexy experiences on top of it. And also, if it's cheap enough, that means like cool, queer and trans people will have uh, the ability <laughs> to build on top of it. And so that's what I'm most focused on in terms of like, what the next frontier can be because I think we've gone pretty much as far as we're going to go for a while on the just like Bluetooth controlled sex toys. I don't think there are many toys that like need to have Bluetooth that don't have it already. Mm -hmm. Um, But when you can add uh, augmented reality and virtual reality on top of those experiences, you can do more, I think. Can you explain what those things are and like what the difference is between them? Yeah. um, Let's see an example. So augmented reality is, you're looking at the world. Maybe you're looking at your partner uh, while you're fucking them, but there's some kind of overlay on top of it. So maybe we can make your partner look uh, like they have tattoos all over your, their body or they're in a hot dominatrix outfit, even though they're just wearing their pajamas. Like, right. So we're overlaying stuff on top of the thing that you're actually seeing. Right. Whereas virtual reality is you're completely in a virtual world. So mm. then maybe you can be in a dungeon when you're actually in your bedroom. Yeah. You're wearing like a headset or like the full the full kitten caboodle. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's very interesting. Um, the other thing that I'm excited about, and it's a little bit, I mean, it's still sexy is like better educational tools. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, what is the, what is the website we were talking about that like focuses on like how to touch vulvas? OMG. Yes. O- OMG. Yes. Yes. Uh, <laughs> so like that's good. It's, it's a, a good resource and you can um, sort of, click around and and rub a clit on your screen and like see how that works for the person that they're <laughs> that they're talking about. Yeah. But it's pretty rudimentary, right? And yeah. we have like 
multi-touch devices, we have um, haptic feedback, and like all of that could be used to be built to build better educational experiences for how to touch and um, fuck people. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of opportunity there. I think the biggest thing holding it back is that same thing we talked about in the beginning, like you don't have a way to monetize that because you can't get it on the app store. Right. Right. Yeah. I wish that there was more, uh, like precise control over toys, um, mm. remotely. Cause like, for example, um, if someone's just controlling a vibrator that's held on my clit, like whether I'm holding it there or it's just like their hands free in some yeah. manner, like that to me just doesn't feel like the experience of partnered sex. Like yeah. typically with a partner, if we are using a vibrator, they're probably not holding it in the exact same spot the whole time. But also if we're thinking about trying to replicate something like oral sex or fingering, like there's going to be more movement and motion to it than that. And even when you look at toys that try to replicate those sensations without Bluetooth controllability, like there's the Layla Aura, which they made, which had like a a little ball that moved around underneath a silicone, a piece of silicone so that it's supposed to be like a tongue. But like there's a few different toys like that, but I just never felt like they were very effective. They didn't really feel like what they were trying to feel like. Um, I just want something that's like a bit more precise so that like I actually get a little bit of like the character of how a particular person touches me in the way that those vibrators respond. And like I know that we recently tried, I talked about this in the bonus episode of the Dildorks recently, which was um, Lovins makes a rabbit vibe and a stroker which can interface with each other so that when I thrust the rabbit vibrator in and out, of my cunt then it like translates to what like more contractions in the stroker right for you yeah, or something yeah, like that. yeah and we were talking on the bonus episode about how like it's a really cool idea i think it's well executed it's just like not really how sex works for me no, <laughs> or like exactly. masturbation works like I'm, I'm not typically thrusting rabbit vibrators and also like my main focus is my clit as it is for many people with vulvas so like I don't know. I don't think we should be. I don't think we should be limiting ourselves to replicating what, yeah, what in person sex is. Like, I think what one another thing that I'm excited about, and I think that the buttplug.io project um, and Kyle's work in general does this really well, is giving sex workers and cam performers themselves better tools for creating these digital experiences because they're the experts, right? Like, if you if you want someone to make a really sexy experience it's not going to be a technologist. It's going to be somebody that makes sexy experiences all day for people. Right. Um, and as technologists, what we should be doing is making the tools more accessible so that people don't have to program in order to, to build those things. Mm. Yeah. That's a really interesting point. Cause yeah, I feel like this is an issue that we run into in looking at these high tech sex toys is like a lot of them are clearly designed by people who care more about, the technology yeah. than they do about building excitement and pleasure. And, um, you know, they've certainly don't seem to have put as much energy into learning about that side of things. Oh, and I actually wanted to ask you about sex robots as well. This is like an area of particular interest for me. Cause a few years back I was asked by the magazine, the walrus to write a piece about the future of sex. And they really didn't give me any guidance beyond that. Cause it was an, ep- it was a, an issue where the, 
whole topic was like the future and different people from different subject matter areas were being asked to say like, what is the future of X, Y, Z? And they asked me to write about the future of sex and I considered a lot of different topics and what I ultimately decided to focus on was sex robots. And, And by that, I mean basically sex dolls that have AI so that Um, at least at this point in time, the ones that exist, like, can speak to you. They can sort of, like, answer rudimentary questions, sort of like Siri. Um, They can uh, respond in, like, moans to certain types of touches. And, like, what I was emphasizing in my article, and this just speaks to, like, you know, what I care about personally as a sex educator, but, like, I was emphasizing that a lot of these sex robots that I've seen are designed by cis men and are designed to respond to things like breast stimulation and G-spot stimulation. And like, there's just not, there's zero to very little emphasis on clit stuff, uh, among other things in, in how these robots work. And I understand that the robots are not meant to be educational devices any more than like porn is meant to be educational. But like, I am kind of concerned about like, if we build sex robots that that show you how to have sex in a certain way, um, are we leading people astray if the if the way that you fuck a robot and make a robot have an orgasm, quote unquote, is not the way that you make like a lot right. of humans have an orgasm? So I don't know. Do you have thoughts on like sex robots, AI? Do you think that this is like good, bad? Do you think that it could be good? Yeah, I've I've read I've read about it um pretty much my whole uh, adult life, I I keep track of the <laughs> the sex robot beat or industry or whatever, and I just think it's like it's so early as to basically be non-existent at this point. Like mm-hmm. there are so few of them that exist. The ones that do exist are basically gimmicks or are hyper expensive, and almost no one has them. There's not a lot of um, demand for the existing products in the market. So I just think that whatever we end up seeing there is still way. F- farther out or way further out than um than some of the other tech that i'm more excited about right now Mm -hmm. but when it does become you know when we have robots that can do things (laughs) well that are simpler than sex like we were just talking the other day we we walked back into my apartment and my robot vacuum had like eaten up my shoe basically (laughs) like we don't even have robots that can do basic stuff well (laughs) in, in the home right now and so i think we're a long way away from the sex stuff but when we do get there, I, I would go back to my previous point of like, you need to have people who are sex educators, sex workers, and sexologists on those teams. Otherwise, um, you're just going to replicate exactly the problems that you're talking about, where it's just like, this is just porn. This isn't um, uh, AI that's worth having sex with if you're interested in actually having sex with um, humanoid things. Right. Yeah, it often seems like the robots that exist that I've seen are very much predicated on like the particular fantasies and desires of the usually individual men who have invented them. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that. Like you can do what you want with your, with your wild, wild and precious life. But, um, yeah, it's interesting. And there was a, there was a little piece on the Stephen Colbert show the other day that we were watching about some survey that found that the majority of people, I think they found the majority of people said that they would have a threesome with their partner and a sex robot. Yeah, I think it's like 60% or something like that. Yeah, and it's interesting to me from the angle of like, how many people would have sex with a sex robot given the opportunity? How many people would enjoy it? How many people would even prefer it over sex with a human? Um, 
Because I think like, well, I mean, I've been interested in this ever since I saw the movie AI when I was a kid, which has Jude Law as like a very advanced and very sexy sex robot. Like he mm-hmm. essentially works as a sex worker um, who also is a robot. And that is like, that really lit a lot of fantasies for me because uh, so much of his functionality as a, as a robot is about adapting to the desires of the people who he's with. Like he can change his hair color on a dime. He can play music that suits the particular vibe. He, he changes his accent or the way that he speaks to like be more what they're wanting. Um, and that's more what I find interesting about sex robots. And that's obviously like way farther out is like that level of like customizability or changeability. But like if you're having a particular fantasy or you want to do a particular role play, it would be really cool if a robot could like adapt to that in a way that even a human might not necessarily be able to do. Yeah. Yeah. I completely agree. Westworld explored the first season of Westworld, especially explores this in a decent amount of depth. Um, also the movie, her, uh, I, I love because it explores more than just the sex side of things, more of the emotional side of if you're going to have a relationship with an AI, what would that look like? And what are the potential pitfalls of that? Yeah. How do you think you would feel about an actual sex robot? Like, do you think that you would be able to develop any kind of like affection or, or feeling for a robot? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I feel um, affectionate about a lot of the technology in my life. Like, I talk to Siri. Uh, I thank Siri when, you know, <laughs> when Siri does something uh, correctly. Yeah. Um, and I think that uh, if you're, if you're connected to something and if you're interfacing with it frequently, like that's just uh, can be a natural part of, of being human is, is developing that kind of relationship. Yeah. And another sort of interesting angle of the sex robot discussion, which I think is, sort of depicted in the movie Lars and the real girl, even though it's, that's not really, um, that's not a robot, that's a doll. But I think it's a similar idea is like, sometimes when people are talking about sex robots, they'll talk about the applications for people who don't feel like they have access to sex with other humans, whether that be because of like feeling like they're socially awkward or they don't have the social skills for various reasons or sometimes it's like they they are physically disabled and they have trouble like finding partners yeah um and uh i know that there's been a lot of debate in the space about like would that be good or would that um just make it easier for folks to not go out and have real human connection and like is that a problem in and yeah, of that's itself? Pri- that's privileging quote unquote real human connection over, uh, over people, uh, applying technology to make themselves happy. And I, I, I don't tend to do that. Yeah. It's a really interesting debate. Like, I don't know that I really come down on either side of it in terms of, cause I think there are a lot of people who are like, Oh, it would be so sad and pathetic if your only sexual partner was a sex robot. And I certainly don't feel that way, but I also don't feel the total opposite way, which is like, that's totally fine if you pursue relationships only with sex robots at the exclusion of um, human relationships. Like, obviously, you can make the choices you want for your own life. Doesn't affect me, doesn't bother me. But it's like, I think ultimately, if your goal is more connection or more happiness in your life, like, I just don't really know um, if that would be the way to achieve it. Like, I just really don't know. I think that so many people are already in the situation today where they don't have romantic prospects or romantic partners, whether um, 
for lack of opportunity or time or financial resources or whatever. And they're using um, sex toys today in some cases. And like, if we can make those sex toys better and make them um, more like the thing that they're seeking, uh, that ultimately would be a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. Sex toys have been around for centuries. Like I think that the, the, um, the first dildo like dates back to, I think like caveman times basically. And so it seems so natural that we just keep evolving the sexual technologies that we're creating. Uh, yeah, I'm just always really interested to see where it'll go next. Yeah, me too. All right. Well, I think that's all we're going to do today, but uh, I would like to do a part two. We did have more listener questions about this that we didn't get to. So if you have questions about sex tech that you would like my spouse and I to answer together, you can email thedildorks at gmail.com or you can send me a DM. I'm at girly underscore juice on both Twitter and Instagram. I'm also on the internet at katesalone.com, which is where you can find links to my journalism, my books, my music, various other things. Where is your stuff? Uh, I'm on Twitter at MB and on Instagram at Matt B. I write about technology at MatthewBischoff.com and I have a new podcast with my friend Sid Anderson called Absolutely Crushed. Uh, you can find that wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, I would really encourage folks to check out Absolutely Crush. And I will say, like, it has a very different tone from this discussion that we were having today. Yes, it like, does. it is much, like, goofier and sillier. Um, but it's about, like, you have a, a different guest on every episode to discuss their celebrity or fictional crush. And there's been some really fun ones. The first episode was about Milo from the movie Atlantis, who I think that's a great subject for a first episode of that show. Like, he's just... He's so cute. He's so crushable. And so many of us remember him from our childhood. Yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> do you need to thank the Patreon people? I do. And I have it in front of me. There you go. Um, you can support the creation of this show by pledging at patreon.com slash the dildorks. It helps keep us doing what we're doing, as Beck says every week. And I want to say thank you to our top tier Patreon supporters, Amelia, Argo, Tiffany, Suki, Nat, Stabitha Christie, and you, MB. Hi. <laughs> thank you for the support. I also want to say thank you to Protodome, who did our theme song. Thank you to Amy, who did our logo. Thank you to my wonderful guest today, MB. And thank you to you for listening. Until next time, folks, get out there and live your sexy, dorky life. Bye. Two, three, clap. Okay. On three or after three? Where four would go. Okay. One, two, three. <laughs> we'll try it again. Yeah. One, two, three. There we go. Nailed it in one. In two. In <laughs> four. Yeah. Um...